Welcome back, guys, to the Not Just Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey, And today we have the lovely Stephanie Hill with us, who was very patient because my laptop decided to have a meltdown. So bless her heart. She's been sitting here for a good 15 minutes waiting for um, myself to come back. So welcome, babe, to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And, and it's OK. I don't mind an enforced 15 minutes. That's still... <laughs> I think sometimes it's nice sometimes to just be like reminded that it's nice it's okay to like sit still for 10 minutes and just do nothing absolutely yeah so thank you (laughs) you're so welcome so let me let's go back to who's Stephanie give us a bit of a roundup competing history obviously I know that you're a natural figure competitor I've been watching the scene for a while you're also a CMP athlete so give us like a quick run through of how you got into the industry and I'll be honest I don't I don't know that many figure girls like around me. So I feel like we might be able to pick up a few like interesting pointers for people as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've always been into sport, as I think most of us have once we end up at this stage. So I swam to start with, did a bit of trampolining and then started going to the gym when I started medical school. I joined a commercial gym that had the classes there and started doing some weights in the classes and then eventually ventured out into the weight section with my friend who I went with and one of the PTs at the gym competed in bikini so I sort of was exposed to that I'm quite a competitive person as most of us are as well and I'm a bit all or nothing so I decided that maybe I'll give it a go so my first competition ever was a little local competition it was a charity event run by one of the working men's clubs near my gym where I trained so I entered that prepped myself for six weeks basically didn't eat any carbs for six weeks got up on stage in an ASOS bikini and my new look heels and my spray tan from the beauty salon entered bikini and figure and just had a great time had a great time surprised myself with my confidence and thought yeah okay I can stand up on stage in a bikini so there is hope for me decided that if I'm going to do it I should probably get a coach so when I started work as a doctor and was earning some money um some proper money I found myself a coach and it went from there really so I started in bikini that would have been 2017 was the first time that I competed in a federation show and I did PCA body power as my first show which is quite a big one to do all or nothing as I say and that went really well so really enjoyed that year and had my fire was lit I was ready to go feedback back then was that I was too lean for bikini I don't think there's such a thing nowadays and so the next year I tried to take a sort of fuller package but didn't feel comfortable on stage because I'd the only time I'd been on stage I was super lean and so I didn't feel comfortable less lean and that really shows doesn't it like when you're on stage your comfort is is key because your confidence is 90% of it really you can have the best physique in the world and if you're not confident enough to show it off you can tell you need that sass so didn't go so well that year I sort of sat and thought to myself, where where do I want to go with this? And decided that probably I'd outgrown bikini. It was always difficult for me in bikini anyway, because I'm not an overly sassy person, although I'm sure some of my colleagues would disagree. (laughs) Uh, And so some of the like flouncy posing took a while to get into it. I mean, I love it now, absolutely. But figure just sort of is my jam. 
it just is my jam I love those poses and I was listening to Rimini talk to you as well the other day and she's the same isn't she she just Mm. loves how powerful they make you feel and I love the routine just showing off different bits of your physique I just find it suits my physique a bit better so I took some time off and came back in figure in 2019 and then I was going to compete again in 2020 but because of Covid I didn't and then came back last year and had improved more than I thought I would last year actually over the lockdowns because obviously training just was not my focus at all it was more of my reprieve and that went well so now plan is to go again in 2023. Nice I like that so do you think you're that feedback that you got back in 2017 about not being uh, so being too lean do you think if you would have started your journey now like the same journey it's just been moved forward do you think you would have gone to figure in the end still um yeah I do yeah I do it's bikini's not me Mm -hmm. I think you have to find where you fit I think a, a lot of people start in bikini because they think you have to but I don't think you do have to start in bikini. I think you can just start wherever it fits. And I think a lot more people are going straight into toned figure now. I think it would be impressive to go straight into athletic figure, but lots of people do do it. Yeah, um, you've got it. But yeah, at, I, I guess at the time as well, I probably didn't know much about the other categories because I'd seen the PT do bikini. I mm. probably thought that's that's what I have to do. That's what I should do. And you you get more comfortable with more muscle in time as well, isn't it? Like sometimes you can't imagine yourself gaining that much muscle or being comfortable with that much muscle. It's a gradual process. And then you're happier. Maybe back in 2017, if I'd seen myself now, I'd think, oh, no, I don't I don't want to have that much muscle. And then you gradually just fall in love with it and think, I want all the muscle. <laughs> give <laughs> it all, mate. It takes yeah. bloody ages to get to give it me. <laughs> Also, ASOS vibes, I'm with you, mate. So I stole my mum's next Diamante bikini, which had a bit of like Diamante on one side. It was like a black, like literally like one that you'd wear to freaking your holiday in Greece. And Mm -hmm. then my bottoms were like some Primark bottoms, which were like two quid. So I'm with you on that. Humble beginnings. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Can you actually imagine if you started now with that? Then I... I don't know. I haven't seen anyone. I think I've seen a couple of people wear like plain bikini seats, which isn't like a bad thing at all. But yeah, can you imagine if you like turned up now? Like, oh yeah, I just bought this from ASOS. There was there was someone in um, one of the shows that I watched this year, and I don't I don't want to say what show or anything, just in case. But everybody was up there with their like proper bikinis and their tans, and this person did, had just uh, like an ASOS bikini and no tan and. It's a, such a shame because it was would have been a massive thing for her and it would have been such an achievement. But because you haven't ticked all those boxes, it did just make her stand out. I feel um, like the tan as well. Like, I think when you first got get into the interview, you don't really... Like, you think you're going dark when you put oh, a straight yeah. on before you start competing. But you this like it just unleashes, like, new levels that you just never even knew existed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because now I'll whack pro, pro tan on me all the time. And if I go, my friends are like, oh, you're so dark. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm light. I'm like, I'm yeah, pale. This, is, <laughs> this is the base coat. I put one coat on. This ain't, this ain't dark. Yeah. I think I, I wonder as well, like, it's a lot more um, mainstream, isn't it? Like, you see a lot more people competing. So I just wonder how you can get to that point on stage and not realise 
or somebody hasn't told you at this point whereas maybe back then it was less so also my little my little charity one nobody was wearing fancy bikinis and nobody got a proper spray tan it was just local people I still remember someone at Tuba's last year they were first timer and like they came in for their top coat and like they looked really pale as if like they not had anything on and I just I said to them I was like oh is this your first time they're like oh yeah and I started chatting and I thought she's either she's really pale and this base coat hasn't touched the sides or she hasn't got anything on and she's just yeah. come for the top coat thinking that's all she needs so the dogs are now going downstairs and I said to her I was like have you had anything on she goes oh no this is my first show I, I've just I've just booked in for today and I was like shit so I like ran and I like grabbed the base coat grabbed the top coat I was like right we're gonna have to do this military operation and thank god because she was one of those girls where like I had to spray her so hard <laughs> I think at least like two or three base coats and then like a good heavy like one top coat so yeah sometimes just because I just didn't realize just didn't realize I was like oh my god but yeah so much and there's always going to be something that you forget and you have to just learn as you go along isn't it and then that's 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 the importance I think of speaking to people who have done it before that's that's the best thing to do and and Instagram for all the things it's not good for that it's good for that isn't it finding people who have done it and and lots of people share loads of uh, loads of informative posts like you do about shoes about like everything your posts are excellent for people who haven't competed before isn't it thank you I can't give credit because Katie does a lot of the content so shout out to Katie if you listen to this but no honestly content is key man I just think the amount of blips and mistakes I made I'm just like oh my god I I would love to show you a photo at the end of this of like my first ever competing like the Diamante mum borrowed top it, it, it was a vibe I'm not gonna lie I dig throw it away but it was still a vibe <laughs> yeah people got to start somewhere exactly exactly so the main topic we wanted to talk about was bad like I sometimes hate that word because I'm like oh everyone uses it but whatever balance with bodybuilding when bodybuilding obviously takes up a lot of your life other things take up a lot of your life and how the hell you kind of do it all I know that you have a lot on your plate. I remember during lockdown last year, seeing a lot of like your Instagram lives, you were in lockdown, working around the clock and then still trying to do your own competing goals as well. So talk to us about like what sort of job role you had in lockdown. Like, I don't know if it's changed at all, but yeah, what is your job role aside from everything else that you do in your life? Uh, So it's probably easier to talk about what I do right now. So I'm a doctor, a qualified Doctor, I've been a doctor for this, my sixth year, qualified in 2016. Yeah. And so now I'm a palliative care doctor. So I've just got to registrar level. Basically, I try and whiz people through this and then it sounds really confusing, but I'll, I'll try my hardest. Mm-hmm. I've had to explain it so many times and I still don't feel like I do a good job. When you, so you finish medical school, mm-hmm. you do foundation years one and two. Yeah, And in those years, you do a mix of everything. So everybody has to do a job in the community. So Uh GP, psychiatry, everybody has to do some surgery. Everybody has to do some medicine. And so you get six jobs, basically. So you're getting paid while you do it. You're Uh getting paid to be a doctor, but they're, they're training jobs. You're learning. And it's to try and give you time to sort of pick what type of doctor you want to be. Because obviously there's so many different types of doctors and surgeons are very different to A&E doctors and A&E doctors are very different to pediatricians and 
so then after that you have to have an idea of where you want to go really whether you want to go down the surgery route the medicine route psychiatry pediatrics um and then you apply for that training pathway pediatrics is children isn't it yeah 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 so I did something called acute care common stem at that point because I knew that I wanted to do the exciting stuff so I did some A&E some acute medicine some anesthetics and ICU and my anesthetics and ICU year fell in COVID so that's why I spent the whole year working in ICU so I did uh, the first wave of COVID I was working in ICU then after that I went into my medicine my senior medicine year where I did some oncology which is cancer gastro so that's uh, like liver and stomach and then respiratory which is your lungs so for the second wave of COVID I was on the cancer wards and on the COVID cancer ward and then after I finished that is when I started my job that I'm doing now which I started in August and I work currently in a hospice so we're a very small unit we have eight beds and we look after patients with complex symptoms with end of life uh, conditions so terminal conditions people can come in have their symptom managed and, and they go home with with whatever changes we've made and some people come to us for end of life care and we look after them while they die um, and their families so I do that but I am also academic which means that my time is split so I work at the hospice on Mondays Tuesdays and Fridays and then whenever I'm on call so one in four weekends and one night a week Um, and then on Wednesdays I have teaching so I get to have some teaching which is great it's a really good training pathway and then on Thursdays is my academic day so I'm doing research and my research is looking into palliative care on the intensive care unit so I'm doing what's called a systematic review for that at the moment so that's quite labour intensive and it doesn't stay on Thursdays it bleeds into every second of of my life I'm doing a master's along with that because my plan is to do a PhD So I am juggling a lot of plates and I have to be so protective over my time because of that. I've learned a lot of lessons on the way. And I think that's probably the point of me coming on to talk about. So I I will happily do that. Um, I don't know if you just want me to get stuck in and and chat about that or if you have specific questions. I've got a bit of a question. It's kind of like a different topic, but it's it's very related to what you said. This sounds like a bit like if a like about a deep question but I always think with people like yourselves that work in the field that you do you have to like come across death quite a lot generally yeah. and you know a lot of us I think would avoid thinking about it maybe some of us haven't had that many people like pass away so like dealing with death on a constant basis dealing with illness and people poorly like the moment that like one of my dogs or a family member is poorly, like I get so emotional. And I always think, oh my God, like I haven't, I haven't really got like that much of a backbone. And I always think I could never work in like a field like yours. Cause I feel like I'm just so emotional. Maybe I just don't deal with it to the same extent that you do. But how do you deal with like personally with that much, like I guess sadness and having to deal with illness and death at like on, on a constant level without it actually affecting your mental health, if that makes sense? 
yeah so it's quite it's quite complex it's not as simple as sort of just switching off and 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 getting in there because I think if you do that then you're going to get into real trouble and and palliative care as a specialty is is such a compassionate specialty for the people who work in it as well and we talk a lot openly about how difficult it is to do and we reflect a lot so that's not something that comes natural to me so when I was in medical school we we started talking about reflection and we had to I remember having to sit down in the in the lesson and they wanted us to reflect on something that had happened to us I I couldn't do it I drew two rabbits because I just I could not bring myself to sit down and, and reflect I just thought it was stupid and a waste of time but I have learned so much since then and how important it is to reflect on how things make you feel why they make you feel how you're feeling and that that is key really so for example last week I had a conversation with a patient that that was really emotional and when I came away from it I didn't feel anything I didn't feel sad and that to me now rings alarm bells and makes me realize that I've gone into my autopilot mode that happens when I'm too busy and I haven't taken time to myself and previously I would do that and it's fine isn't it because you think great I don't feel sad but then a week or two down the line I would just implode and be so I'd be an awful person and then I'd just break down and poor Will would have to pick up the pieces. And it would be like, if you look back, it's because I've gone through this, 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 and this and not processed it as I've gone. So it's very much about, okay, that even if you don't feel it at the time, thinking that it that was a difficult conversation and I should feel sad about it and making yourself process it. I think the way that I don't burst into tears when people are telling me that well lots of sad things um, is by splitting off sympathy and empathy so when you watch a sad film and someone's dog dies the reason you feel sad about that is because you have put yourself in the shoes of that person because you're invested in the film you're watching the film you're thinking oh my gosh I can imagine what that would be like if my dog died that's why they've made the film like that they've done a good job making you feel it that's why you get sad um you're not really getting sad because someone else's dog has died even if you don't realize that you've put yourself in their shoes you're empathizing what I have to do at work is not do that so Mm -hmm. I can't sit and listen to every daughter who talks about their mum dying I can't sit there and think, oh my God, what would that be like if that was my mum? Because that would just tear me apart. Imagine doing that day in, day out. I can't do that. I have to separate myself and think I need to have sympathy and support this person without that empathy because it's not a place. It's not a place for empathy. I hope that explains it. No, that explains it perfectly. And it's one of those things that I never even thought about the differences between like sympathy and empathy in that way as yeah. well and it kind of like do you because I find sometimes like in life there's a lot of noise going on there's a lot of noise there's a lot of distractions there's sometimes like people can get caught up in like dramas and just things that just don't really matter people worry about things that don't really matter 
And I can imagine for yourself and the work that you do, tell me if I'm wrong here, that sometimes like, I guess you, I, I would find it difficult to like, when you're listening to people who are going for actual stuff and then you've got other people that are just like focusing on really, really nitty gritty things. Like, do you think your percep- your perspective has changed with these conversations that you have and has it changed the way that you approach your life as well when you do step out of work? Yeah, yeah. Definitely it has. I I think I have to try really hard when people come to me with with issues outside of work, not to be like, okay, well, I spoke to a mum who was losing their child or whatever, like, because all suffering is relative, isn't it? And if you are upset because you got mud on your shoe, you're upset because you got mud on your shoe and that's okay. There's always going to be a someone off. There's always going to be someone worse. There's always going to be someone better off. And I don't think it's overly helpful to try and uh, have that conversation with anybody when they're suffering. So I wouldn't ever do that. But it it definitely is is in my mind, mm. and I do have to actively try not to be like, please get a grip. I think medics in general are, are like that a lot, and and I know a lot of. A lot, I know a lot of nurses, kids who have like broken bones and they haven't taken them to hospital because they just think they're being dramatic. And <laughs> because we see so much at work, mm. like poor Will, if Will gets a cold, he gets no sympathy for me at all. Nothing. Because I'm dealing with like dying people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard, even subconsciously. I just don't have that same level of sympathy maybe just because of the exposure that I've had but in terms of how it makes me deal with my own life I've been asked this question before and I I realized that it probably doesn't make that much difference because I think it comes down to the same suffering as relative and when I'm in the moment where I'm annoyed because my oats have overspilled in the microwave or whatever I I'm not in the mind space to think okay well at least I've not got this happening to me like I'm pissed off because my oats have overspilled isn't it really Um, hard though like I've got back into the oat game and Christ (laughs) I forgot that you have to watch that bugger or it just yeah yeah I've literally I've yeah I had core in the morning and core in the nighttime and I just just feel sick eating it because I think that's off season isn't it that's so sweet so I've just gone back to oats and and yeah that's yeah life is hard with oats (laughs) (laughs) so going back then I just wanted to well ask that because I, I just thought, God, I really want to ask you that question. Because I think for me personally, with like, with the industry, when it's really busy in like peak season, I really struggle to like, really, I have to really kind of keep myself in check and be like, okay, what really matters? What does matter? What, like, what doesn't matter? And what does matter? And I feel like in these phases now where it's kind of not busy, like show season, for me, I kind of like, so like I'm able to get grounded again because I'm not just distracted by all these things that actually don't really matter. Like in the moment you think they do and they're a big thing, but then you have to take a step back and go, actually, that wasn't as big as a thing. That was like, my, that's my anxiety like taking over or that's just like my mental health just being an absolute like dickhead. And I think having those spaces is actually quite important as well because it kind of keeps yeah. you like, just reminds you of like, your know, life is very short. It is super, super yeah. short. Yeah, you have to find the balance, I think, because yes, not everything is as important as it may feel at the same time. But if you step right back and start thinking, 
but at least this isn't happening you can you can get into sort of like an existential crisis and think that nothing matters whereas Mm -hmm. small things can matter too it's just don't be a dick about it and recognize when you are so like I had a tough day at work yesterday came home and Will just sat down in the chair before he went to have a shower and and I got mad because we were meant to be sitting and watching tv and was like I'm gonna go to bed in a minute like come and and then he went up and had a shower and I sat and thought oh it was just why was I why did that matter it didn't matter like if we go to bed half an hour later it doesn't matter I'm just being a dick about it so when he came downstairs I got my tail between my legs like I'm sorry for being a dick but it's, it's like having that insight isn't it to be able to step back and say actually that doesn't matter I'm being silly here I think it's hard to sometimes actually like admit that you're like oh, actually I've been a bit of a dick there I used to really struggle with that with Joe. I was I'd just be like no I'm not saying anything um if I say anything and I'm not being a strong female and I'm a strong female so I'm not gonna say I'm sorry and now I'm like okay I'm sorry Joe. <laughs> I was being an asshole there yeah I think that's key it's communication is key isn't it and we've certainly learned that as a couple definitely will show me that because I'm so stubborn so stubborn and it just doesn't do you any favors how long you guys been married for now so we're not married yet we're we're being engaged for three years we're getting married in June so is it because of COVID life you can get engaged can get married sooner well sort of yeah so we um when we went and booked the venue we booked the venue a year ago in October we just thought we'll just do it for miles away to hopefully miss it all and so hopefully it will be okay but yeah so as as well as all my work and training and stuff I'm organizing a wedding as well now mate organizing the wedding is like herding sheep and you yeah. haven't got a border collie to like rear them in I know. Like your maid of honor is kind of like your border collie but <laughs> yeah and and so many people are just so quick to tell you like what you haven't done yet or judge you for what you haven't done. I'm just like god leave me alone I'm a full-time doctor and this is not my job <laughs> it's actually mad I feel with weddings how much how much people have their input on something that they're not paying for yeah <laughs> I think that's so crazy that's like my mate buying a shirt and I'm just like why are you buying that for like yeah. they like that shirt they should go and buy the bloody shirt like yeah. I, on my oh, wedding yeah it's fine babe just what right this is my word of advice look at them straight in the eye when you're saying something you're trying to put them in the place go I'm not having that cheesecake like like you know the tear cakes that are actually like brie and all that sort of stuff oh yeah, like, yeah. I had to look my mum in the eye and be like mum I'm not having this I there was other stuff that I had to do the same thing too but I find if you look them in the eye and say this they're like oh she's actually being serious as soon as you like look away they're like oh she doesn't really mean it and they're like find a gap and they just like <laughs> niggle their way in so look at them in the eye with anything with the wedding that you have to put your foot down be like no trust me best piece of advice I got given was look at them in the eye when you're telling them I know I'm not having this it's harder nowadays when everything's virtual isn't it (laughs) look at them virtually in the eye (laughs) even I'm looking at you I don't feel like I'm looking like at you that's very strange (laughs) so balance bodybuilding Christ life is just busy generally and I feel like even if we have I feel like even if things aren't busy I think us bodybuilders like to kind of fill a void sometimes so even when we're having a quiet day it's so easy to fill that day again with like busy stuff so for yourself how like because we were talking before we like started recording I said to you even though I have a business I have six dogs right now I do bodybuilding stuff like yeah I do all these different things 
And I, I seem to tick boxes, but I wouldn't class myself personally as like an organized person. So for me, I'm always kind of like, well, what sort of tips like do like what other like how do other people like set up their days? I think it's really interesting to see how like whether you kind of do like a hack to save time. Because for me, I'm always looking at efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. Like anything that I can automate in any sense of my life, I will try and do it. Even sometimes like if I'm doing the food in the morning, I'll just see if I can get through to WhatsApps at the same time and all that sort of thing. So what sort of stuff do you do considering the life that you have? So Google Calendar is my holy grail and anything that I do will go into the Google Calendar. And I think that gives a good visual overview of what is doable as well, which is giving things time slot and giving things time slots that are bigger than you anticipate as well, because there's nothing worse than feeling behind all the time. So if you overestimate how long something's going to take you and then you finish it quicker, then that's always going to be a bonus. I think taking the time to ground yourself every day so feeling like you're in an organized chaos is going to lead you to trying to do multiple things at once and not doing any of them well and then having to go back and do them again or yeah I think efficiency is about doing what you are focused on doing at that time and then moving on from it I think we're too we try to multitask too much massively and there's there's quite a few podcasts now about the loss of focus and attention and it's just so apparent because there's so many distractions nowadays and I think the key to efficiency and productivity is removing those distractions one of those distractions is your mind being completely hazy and full of all the things you have to do so I have a routine in the morning where I get up and sit down with a green tea and then a coffee, which probably part of I've never heard anyone do that straight after. Why never? And that, interesting. Yeah. I I don't know if that's helpful for me at all, but that's what I do and I never miss it. It's it's habit stacking, isn't it? I stack the coffee onto the green tea. (laughs) And I sit and I do my, I have a six minute journal you're meant to do it in the morning and the night time, but nobody has time for that. So I just do the day before and the day on in the morning. So I do three things that were great about yesterday and my good deed for yesterday. And then I do three things that I'm grateful for and how I'm going to make today great and an affirmation for today. That takes me a minute probably a minute two minutes because I'm just so into it now and I've heard people before say when you do that especially when you're writing down what you're grateful for every day you just end up getting into a routine of not really thinking what you're grateful for but that's not happened to me and I don't think that has to happen I think you can realize what you're grateful for in 10 seconds that's that's fine what was Um, you grateful for what was your affirmation for today I don't know because my um I don't know it's downstairs I think I was feeling a bit rubbish when I woke up. I was feeling tired, didn't sleep very well. So I think today's was, I will feel great today. Just simple as that. And sometimes it's, I will really enjoy training today. Sometimes it's, I will be productive today. Sometimes it's, I will be present today. It's just what I need from that day, really. I find that really helpful just to set. Also, when I when I wake up, the first thing I do when I like, wake up, open my eyes, I say to myself, 
I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to feel great today. And I think as cliche as it sounds, I think that is just such a good way to wake up and think this this is going to be a good day. We all have a cliche thing, I think. I don't yeah. um, that like resonates with us in some way and you don't uh, really understand why. There's no logic to it. Like, I know this sounds really random, but anytime I listen to Pitbull, I'm in a good bloody mood. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Hey, Kodak, what was it? Yeah, the Kodak, the rhymed Kodak, that song. I don't know why, it just puts me in a good mood and it's cliche. And Joe's like, why are you listening to Pitbull again? That bloody trash. I'm like, I don't know. It's cliche, but I listen it's to really it. Good. And it puts me in a good mood. Don't know why. Do you remember that song by um, MVP, Rocky Body, Mike Check One Two? Do you remember that? Uh-huh. I love that one as well that will always get me in a great mood (laughs) when he does his little rap with his lisp oh it's great anyway (laughs) so sidetracked um why isn't that your one of your figure routines hello oh yeah maybe next time (laughs) you just throw it in throw it in there put throw it in a regional be good oh god (laughs) but um yeah so Anyway, so I have this like grounding routine in the morning is what I'm trying to say. And mm. I um, rate my rate things out of 10. So like for the day before, my motivation, my stress, my appetite, all those sort of tracking things, just so that I really feel like I've reflected on the day before and I've finished with that day and I can move on to today. And I've sat down and had time to think about what I'm going to do with the day. And it literally takes, I mean, that whole process takes about half an hour. And I feel like it's just some closure from the day before, sets me up for the new day and helps me go into the day without that fuzzy head of what what have I got to balance? Because I've got a bit more focus of just taking the day as the day and not the whole week or month in front of me. So I think that's really important. And then... Another thing, oh, there's so many things I could talk about that I found, but and it's all been such a gradual process. Like mm-hmm. I find, I feel like I'm in a really privileged position at the minute because I feel like I've got things in a really good place. And now anything I do is tweaking it and improving it. And it takes time. I think that's, people can look at people who seem very organized and think, oh, that's so far away. But I didn't start with sitting down and having my coffee and doing all of that. Like it's it's the habit stacking. It's just one thing on top of another. And then I've found my routine. And there are things that I've tried to put in there that just haven't stuck. I was going to about to ask you, is there certain uh-huh. things that like you kind of hear like, oh, this is the thing that you must do to be productive or be a successful person. And have you tried it and gone, this is enough? Yeah, more like stretching. So I'm so bad at remembering to stretch and, and mobility and stuff. And lots of people say that you should do that when you get up in the morning. And I just, I can't, I can't be doing with that. That's too much for me. Reading before bed, like what everyone says that you shouldn't watch TV. You should sort of wind down blue light blockers and all that jazz. I don't do any of that. I watch TV up until the moment I go to bed. I then go and get into bed and go to sleep with no issues so I don't think that's entirely necessary yeah sometimes I, I, I I'm in the mood where I'm thinking oh my brain's a little bit too wide still like I'll just go I'll read I personally do like reading this like book about minimalism and I've, I'm all about that but there's some nights I'm like nah I'm gonna have a scroll and then I'm gonna go to bed <laughs> then yeah. there's some nights that I'm that tired I'm like nah I'm literally straight away off I go yeah so I think um things like that around the yeah 
I just watch TV <laughs> before I go to bed and it's fine. One of the things that I did a, a post on not long ago was well, two things. One was journaling about specific aspects of, of what you're balancing. And I've found that has been absolutely monumental in how I process things because when you're balancing so many things you can often feel like you're doing a bad job in everything Mm. and that is just not the case you you can't do an excellent job in everything that's impossible but you are always going to have one priority that has to take precedent for that day and that's okay so I have in my journal I have a free text just to say how the day before went but then I have one for my academic achievements one for my relationship with Will one for my training and then one for anything else and I make sure that I write down what I've done to contribute to those because those are my priorities the day before and it helps me visualize what I what I have done and helps me see if there's any gaps and if those gaps are stacking up I know I need to shift the focus onto that because it's important to me and I need to be dealing with it also if I've got loads of writing in my academic bit say I've spent the day working on my protocol and then the others have not got much in there then I can see fine that's that's where my energy went and so I think that's really helpful but again it just comes down to the reflection and sort of sorting your mind out so that it's clear to focus on what you're doing in front of you there's an app called forest for if you're working so if you if you need to sit down at your desk and do some work then a method called the pomodoro method which is so the way that they set it out was you work for 20 minutes and then you do whatever you want for five minutes but you have to be away from your work and then you go back for 20 minutes but you can obviously change those times to whatever suits you. So sometimes I'll do a 30 minute period. Sometimes I'll do a 40 minutes. I don't ever really go over 40 minutes. If I've got something really short to do, like send some emails or plan my Google calendar for the week, then I'll do 20 minutes. But the Forest app lets you set the timer and then it doesn't let you use your phone. So if you pick up the phone, it what it does, it plants a tree. If you pick up your phone, it kills the tree. <laughs> so you don't want to kill the tree. Um, and then it gives you like your five minute break and I've I find that so useful and what I do is if I've got a block say I've got three hours before I sit down I'll um, plan out those sections so I'll write down the time so 30 minutes and five minute break 40 minutes and five minute break and right next to those sections what I'm going to do in it so I've got a plan and then scribble it out as I go because it feels good to do that and just splitting your time into those little segments makes it a lot more doable because it's it's all about being efficient in the time that you've got and you will get so much more done in that focus 30 minutes than you would in two hours of picking your phone up scrolling through instagram going to make a cup of tea like if you you can do anybody can wait 30 minutes if even if your phone goes off you can think that's fine I'll look in 30 minutes but I'm focusing on this now so that's that's a really good app that I've found is useful as well I need to look at it I like that name Forest as well it's quite a so quite a nice app name yeah and then you can you can build a big forest <laughs> how big's your forest um I don't know actually it's probably got a fair few trees in it <laughs> Gains trees, gains trees. Have you, you mentioned priorities about relationship 
bodybuilding, academic, that sort of thing. Have your priorities, was you, have your priorities shifted from last year to this year or have, have they changed at all? No, I don't think so. Because work is always my top priority. We'll, we'll, we'll put Will aside because he's obviously a priority. But in terms of sort of achievements, being a doctor will always come first for me. Even when I'm on prep, even when I'm competing, I will, if, if there's anything that's going to take away from me being a good doctor, then it, I won't do that. Um, that's not acceptable for me. And everyone will have different things that, that are and aren't acceptable. So I don't think my priorities ever really change. The only thing, the only thing really that differs is my, is are the social things. So when I'm, on prep and balancing everything I do there is no time for anything social at all even going out and having a diet coke I just that is what gives something's got to give and that is what gives in my life I've socialized with Will and that's it really that's fine I doesn't bother me I'm not I'm not somebody who's a big socializer anyway Mm -hmm. but then in the off season I do have a bit more time to do that so next week we're going into the Derby Dales for a weekend with one of our friends for some walking and some meals and things and that'd be really nice and that's something that we just wouldn't do on prep so that's the only priority that changes really just introduce that in but I think the time invested in training and food and things is no different or shouldn't really be any different in off season than it is in prep it's just different and I think if 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 it is drastically different then you're going to struggle when you come back into prep because you've got to make all these drastic changes again it's, it's easier to make no changes just sort of obviously you've got to make changes do you know, do you know yeah like it's more of like a seamless transition instead of like a real like it, well this feels like a change sort of thing yeah um, yeah do you think a lot of people have do you think a lot of people have bodyboarding as their top priority or do you think people say they have bodyboarding as the top priority they don't or do you think people perhaps feel a lot of guilt around bodyboarding not being their priority or feel like they're going to be classified as like less of a competitor or anything like that yeah I think I think the latter definitely I think there are people who like me who have jobs who are that are very all-encompassing that maybe think they can't bodybuild because they won't have the time to dedicate themselves to it and you can see where that comes from because if you look at Instagram there's lots of people whose lives are all about bodybuilding but you've got to remember that a lot of those people are PTs and coaches and although it seems like their whole life is bodybuilding that's only because their job is bodybuilding as well but their job is just as all-encompassing just happens to encompass bodybuilding so Mm. just because like Will's a coach or Joe's a coach doesn't mean that they've got all the time in the world for their own bodybuilding in fact it's like a plumber's toilet is always broken isn't it like they're spending a lot of time although it's on bodybuilding it's not it's no different to my time but that's not how it comes across on social media which just comes down to the issue of social media doesn't it it looks like people are see if you're talking and walking bodybuilding the whole time it looks like everybody has to do that but actually if you dissect it down how much of that week is for you bodybuilding wise it wouldn't really be any different and that's what it comes down to so yeah and and there's so many different levels you can bodybuild and and not compete 
if you yeah. don't want you can you can bodybuild and compete and be happy with 10th place that's fine like just do what's right for you not everybody can win anyway yeah. joe colt calls um people that are bodybuild that don't compete a hobby builder yeah perfect be a hobby builder why not <laughs> which i quite like actually and i think in the past i felt a lot of like this is before i had the business or the podcast or anything like that I kind of felt like guilty or like people were going to judge me if I was going to say like you know bodybuilding isn't everything and even now I have the podcast have a business compete myself I still don't think it's all of my life still and I've noticed that it's interesting when if you don't post about it people don't people think that's all like you just do x for example like I could easily take out so many like I could take out all the dogs out my social medias and people just think I do I work on the business and that's it I could take everything out of compact I don't post anything in compact I'm just posting dogs and everyone thinks I'm just doing dogs so it's yeah. like everyone's perceptions are all completely fucked with it I just think with everyone because no one really like you look at someone and you just think oh like they're like fully going for this pro card and they're like proper like successful or they're like really going for it and I'm not and it makes you feel like it's like like comparison it makes you feel like you're not doing what you need to which is complete complete bs like even yeah. me last year prepping i honestly would say i don't think my prep was a was a top priority <laughs> it was i still did it but i really wouldn't say it was the top priority and i still managed to somehow do it and the same like yourself you did a yeah. re- you had a, another successful season but it wasn't always the top priority and i think getting that message through I think especially for people coming up in new industry is really important because I think you can get sucked into this I have to be all bodybuilding you kind of go like you literally go blind you like head first you dive in and then you you wonder why you're so unhappy and you're anxious and you're stressed well it's because you've had it's not anything it's not anything they've done wrong but it's just what they're seeing around them and then the meaning, do you know what I mean, on what they're kind of taking from that and looking at all these people that are like, go hard or go home and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like, I remember my car broke down. I think I was like three weeks out. And I literally messaged Joe and I was like, Joe, my car's broke down. I finished my food, but I'm ordering the chicken Subway salad and it's over my calories and I don't care. Because my priority right now is just maintaining a level of stress. And I need to walk halfway through Bristol to find help. And he's like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah other people might feel like they wouldn't be able to do that and make them feel like they're just not as good as a competitor but I literally said to Joe I was like I don't even care I'm literally eating I'm eating the chicken salad and I'm gonna enjoy it mate and I'm gonna enjoy those 200 extra calories (laughs) is it right or wrong I don't know but yeah I find it interesting with the whole going all in and having it all to be like if someone wants it to be everything that's a different story I think it's the pressure or feeling like you need to in yeah. order to be successful in the industry. I don't, I'm not too sure where I sit on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think it comes down to what you said that the impression that everybody, that a lot of people give is that it is everything that they do. But actually, if you were to dissect it down, it's not at all. They've got lots of other things on their plates as well. You just don't see that, but it, but it is hard. And I, when I get on that stage, I not once have I been on that stage and felt like I've deserved to win and that's because in the back of my mind I'm thinking I haven't given this 100% it hasn't had 100% because I haven't got 100% to give and you can't help your mind think that but I would never 
I would never go to work and let myself think that, that I haven't given my 100, 100% to work. And there will be some people who will take that approach for bodybuilding. And that's fine. You've just got to, you've, you've got to know what's the right thing for you and accept it either way. It's all Which values, is, isn't it? It's easy. all about what your literally goes back down to values. What are your values? Are you sticking to them? Like, are you aligned with them? And then make a decision from there, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's how you should view anything new that you introduce into your life. What are my values? Who do I want to be? Is this going to contribute? If it's not a yes, then get lost. <laughs> do you feel any guilt sometimes with? your priorities or like for example like friends or family or that sort of thing no no I think I have done in the past but that's probably when I didn't manage it as well and that's just because I hadn't I didn't know myself well enough to know what was important whereas now I feel like I know that a bit better and I know what makes me feel good and I know what makes me feel rubbish and I know that if I was to sacrifice time with family that I wanted to spend time with them I would I would feel rubbish and and they're so understanding as well and they've grown with me on my journey because they've sort of got used to me doing it as well they hated it to start with and can appreciate what we can and can't do and you just get I think with time as well you you do start to learn things that you can do while you're bodybuilding or while you're on prep whereas mm. maybe to start with you think oh no I can't do that I can't go out for for a meal with them and so you find that middle ground where everyone is is happy yeah I don't yeah I don't think I know and I don't I don't feel guilty for not socializing I just don't I don't let myself feel guilty because I'm not someone to do something that doesn't contribute to who I want to be I just I don't have the time. I don't have the time. As awful as it sounds, I don't have the time to pander to other people's needs. Yeah, that's no, true though. For me, like I was doing a lot of reflecting the past over the last year, and for me, the big thing I was saying to my husband a few weeks back is that I feel a lot of guilt with my priorities, like where I put everything, because. I know we mentioned about like death, but I I have this thing at the moment. I'm thinking, oh my nan, I'm like she's my last grandparent, right? And I, if I would have, I have a lot of guilt about not seeing her last year, massive amount of guilt about it's same with you, like just not managing my time properly and getting to the end of the day and going, fuck, like I still haven't gone over and literally popped in for a cup of tea. So like for me this year, it's a massive thing with priorities and just being like, look, once a week, I'm not saying every day I need to go and see my mum and grand, but once a week, I need to make sure I'm showing up. Do yeah, you know what I mean, like that's a yeah. big one for me this year. So being like, okay, I've got extra load, but it's for me. I think it is, it for, it is managing time, and that's something that I really do struggle, struggle with sometimes. I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to do everything and anything. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I yeah. think I'm like, for for example, when we set up this podcast, I was like, for me, Thursday is a recording day for podcast. That's like the slot. That's what we do, <laughs> and that's definitely helped so far this year. I'm hoping it comes into the season. Touch wood, but um. Have you heard of the the rocks analogy? You know, when you're setting your goals, the big rocks, small rocks, small rocks, medium rocks, because that's and the sand. Pardon? And the sand. Is there sand with this as well? Or am I thinking about something different? Oh yeah, I think there is sand, but that didn't ever resonate with me. I don't think, but the big rocks did. So I think if you're setting out your week, then you're going to have your big rocks. And for you, visiting your gran is a big rock. 
so it needs to be there and also you needed to go through that time last year to appreciate that it is a big rock Mm. uh, and that's and that's fine that that happened isn't it because you may not have known that it was a big rock if you didn't if you didn't go through that and now you know when you're addressing that and you say actually that made me feel rubbish not to see her so I'm not going to let that happen again and you need that motivation to make it a big rock so that's fine yeah it's true so you got to have your big rocks that if you don't do those in the week that's not okay and it's it's not acceptable at all if you don't do them Uh, and then you've got your medium rocks that are really important to you but the world wouldn't end if you didn't do them and then you've got your little rocks that are, these are bonuses. And if I don't get them done, it is not an issue at all. And anything that you want to do or have to do in life will be able to be characterised into those. And of course, you can't just put everything as a big rock because it's not enough space. You do have to be pretty brutal with it. And you might start off thinking something is a big rock and actually it's not. Or you might start thinking something's a medium rock and actually it needs to be promoted to a big rock. But that's what you need to get a feel of. How many training sessions are acceptable for you in a week? How many would be nice to do? Those are very different things. The same as you seeing your family. Is it is it a big rock that I need to do that? If it is, then you need to make sure it happens. And you will just come to a point where you've got five small rocks versus a big rock and the time to only choose between them and, and your big rock's going to have to happen. Um, and then it also comes down to planning your time and overestimating how long things take I can't speak to that enough to say how how valuable that is if you've if you've got a to-do list have it and then if you've got some space to do some more stuff at the end then excellent I think I've got to the point with like lists writing lists I remember when I first got into like like I don't know personal development podcasts and stuff that always go on about write your list getting it all done I'm just thinking oh my god I I think if you really wanted to right now I think both of us could sit here and write a list of like 100 things to do but genuinely things that like there's always something that you can be doing and it is kind of being like okay what is like what is the acceptable level of expectation like for yourself and even if you don't meet that that's fine like I think I've had to really learn that it's like it doesn't matter if it's not done today like some things yes they do need to be done but other little things it can just wait to the next day. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's literally just a day, like not over. Then that's yeah. one thing I've massively learned recently. It's been like, it's okay if you're not finished the list. <laughs> I think I do, sure, I think about it now over some time. I don't even think about how long it takes. I literally just find my list. I don't even think about like my actual time frame. I literally just write the list of things. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, well, try it. Yeah. Try it and allocate some time and think about how feasible it is for you to do those things one thing that I've had to learn recently is I've kind of gone the opposite way and you do have to be careful of that as well that Mm. I've I'll set my to-do list say I've got five things on there that I know are very doable and I know actually in my day I've got time to do seven so I finish my five and then I'll add to my list and that was becoming an issue Mm. because there was one day where I made my list, did my list, and then I kept going and going and going and going and going. I ended up doubling my list and more. The amount of black boxes in my um, page that I'd drawn and scribbled out when I'd done them. And I was just so burnt out by the end. And one of um, 
our friends, one of Will's clients, actually, he's so insightful, very emotionally intelligent. He said to me, you need to set your boundaries of what's acceptable and then you need to stick to them. So once you've once you've drawn that line of this is what I need to get done today, do that and then stop so that you probably need a bit of a bit of leeway, isn't it, between what is absolutely essential and what is too much. I haven't I don't think I've got that nailed yet. We can't always have things nailed, can we? So that's what I'm working on at the moment is is making giving myself that chance to not just keep working because the downtime is important as well. Everyone's always got something like everyone's always got something I mean, like, that we've just got to like work on. Even if you like you've got most things boxed off, there's always going to be something, isn't there? But I can imagine like your journaling is a very like important part for you. Yeah. Like reflection and stuff. Yeah, it is. It just makes me feel so much more organized in my head mm. because I'm someone that, can my mind can run away with me massively and and when it does that I almost I almost I don't want to use the word manic because that's very medical and I don't have a diagnosis of bipolar or anything by any means Mm. and I can't imagine what it's like to live with that but it almost does feel manic like it Mm. it runs away and I get so overwhelmed and excited with all these things I've got to do that I will just sit and do it and do it and do it and do it and I have to drag myself back and sometimes it's scary because I can't I physically can't drag myself out of that mindset I just am go 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 but you can't do that for a very long time. You, you can't sustain it and there will be a crash. Mm. So it's much better to realise that you're doing it, put the brakes on and not let yourself crash. But that is a working progress. I think that's the way to end it, babe. I love that. You probably know how this ends, but you'll have the easiest answers possible. But if you have anything else, then let me know. But what makes you not just a figure girl ha caught you out so what makes you not just a figure girl so something like which is completely random it can be literally anything that people might not know about you I've worked the thing that makes me not just a figure girl is definitely being a full-time doctor I don't think many people know about the academic side of things Mm, I didn't know you did the academic side yeah so it's, it's technically two jobs I'm employed as a clinical academic so I do my clinical side and my academic side with the research so I think that's that's more than enough that'll do <laughs> I think that's definitely more than enough but thank you Chip for coming on and I feel like it's cool that we started off somewhere and we kind of went elsewhere than we came back um <laughs> and I'm hoping I'm sure a lot of people can actually resonate with a lot to what you said so thank you so much for coming on Chick thank you so much for having me it's been a good chat you're welcome and I'll pop um Stephanie's details in the episodes as always um and yeah thank you for listening guys and we'll catch you in the next episode.